uh, yes, it is Father's Day, and uh, my, my dad is, is, uh, is gone to be with the Lord. And you know, it's interesting, just a quick uh, testimony uh, about my dad. You know, uh, when I grew up, we grew up in East Los Angeles, and we uh, were, were going to a small Spanish-speaking Baptist church. And, and uh, that's a church that I was raised in from uh, probably uh, four, three, four years old. And we, went, we were in that church, and, and uh, I remember the, the, the pastor, Mr. Vieta, was his name. He's a Puerto Rican man, and he and his wife, beautiful people. And uh, uh, I remember going to that church, and my dad actually being involved uh, there in, in some uh, ushering. And I remember growing up there and, and uh, uh, seeing him and being involved in ushering. And then after that, we just kind of moved on and... and they, instead of um, him bringing me to church, he kind of sent me to church uh, on the bus, you know. And so uh, that's one thing. We'd always get on the bus. The bus would come down the street and take you to church and you'd go. And when we moved here in Norwalk, um, I remember going to a small church down the, over there off of, of, uh, off of, of what, where is that? Um, Florence Avenue, actually. And so I'd go there to a small church, and uh, I thought about my dad and how um, through my unsaved growing up years, obviously as a teenager, and um, how he, he swayed away from the Lord and completely forgot about him being an usher and serving God. And so as I you know, went through my teenage years, met Sister Nancy, got married, and uh, we got saved after, about five years after we got married, um, started witnessing to my dad and someone came over the house, actually, and, and, and kind of started giving uh, Nancy. They found out. I was a relative, and they found out that uh, we got saved. And so right away, uh, this uh, one of my uh, uncles came in and uh, started giving me understanding about, about his theology of, of religion and how it should be. And when he left the house, my dad came down, and he says, Look, mijo, let me tell you something. He said... Um, you have to make a choice for you and your family. And you have, you have to make a decision. You were raised in church as a small boy. You went with us to church. He said, and you saw I haven't been serving God, and he wasn't serving God at that time. And he said, but you have to make a choice to serve the Lord because you were raised that way. And so I thought about that, and, I, and we made a wise decision, obviously, in the church we wanted to be a part of. But I'm, I'm telling you all this to say that after we got saved, my wife and I started coming to church. Uh, my dad, thank God, gave his life to the Lord. And from that point on, right, 19, I guess, uh, 76, uh, he served the Lord. And uh, he served God, and, and um, there was a point in there uh, where he had some issues and some problems, but uh, he dealt with them, and then he came back. And thank God that that, uh, uh, that was the end of, of his backsliding, and, and he came and served the Lord for, for so, so many years before I went to, be, to go with the Lord. And I was thinking about it, and I'm thinking about the wisdom that my dad had, even uh, in his unsaved state, but yet referencing back to him, his relationship with God, and how he came to, to, to Nancy and myself at a critical time and, and uh, said, look, don't get distracted by what he said. It's actually his brother. Uh, he said, don't get distracted by what he said, my uncle. 
but this is what you need to do to make the right choice for your family. And I thought that was really something. And so I entitled this sermon this morning, Wise Up, A Father's Godly Wisdom. Because as fathers this morning, and I know, you know, traditionally, not traditionally, but in the past years, we've had testimonies and so on of, of some of the great men we have here uh, in our church, the great fathers that we have who have been an example and are an example to their children. But I, this, God was dealing with me this past, since I started preparing for this sermon several weeks ago, about wanting to, to, to preach and to help dads represented here this morning, fathers represented here today in our church, to maybe just glean a little bit of wisdom from the Word of God, because that's where James says that we need to turn to wisdom that comes from above. And in today's society, it seems that there, there's, there's so much knowledge that, that is made accessible to us as parents, as fathers, and even for our children. And there seems to be the idea that it's not important any longer for a father's role to be the, I guess, the word I could use is standard in our society when it comes to the family and raising children. And I understand that, that sometimes there are single-parent families where a mom, the, the dad is taken off or whatever's happened, and the mother takes on the, the two roles of raising a child. And, and God bless you moms for doing that. Give yourselves a hand because I know that you're doing what you need to do and thank God for that. But in the word of God, for those who are married and who have a, a, a mom and dad in the home, it's the father's role we read in the word of God to make sure that he establishes the godly principles and the godly influence in that home. And getting back to what I was saying, it seems that there, there are, is a push to, to remove that as, as critical or necessary. And, instead of, and so instead of there, the, the influence, the importance of a father being in the home, uh, it, it doesn't really make any difference anymore according to society. And that's wrong because uh, the Word of God gives us wisdom uh, as, as, as dads, as, as fathers, uh, specifically for the raising of our children. It's so, so important. It's a responsibility that we have as dads, as fathers to our children to teach them God's Word and God's principles. We need to understand that a father is supposed to lead the way in the complete training of our children's mind, the, their mindset, or their thinking, their morals, their manner of lifestyles based upon and according to the Word of God. And to do that, it requires godly wisdom. It requires godly knowledge through the Word of God. In Ephesians chapter 4 and in verse 6, it's not my text, and I'll get to that, but I wanted to lay a platform that it's our duty, stewardship, and responsibility 
And for those of you single men who are here who are not married and you're planning one day, if that's God's will for your life, to be a dad and to raise children, you are, are beyond the, the marriage factor, are going to have the responsibility of raising those children in the things of God. And uh, Paul writes and he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so this is a, a necessary responsibility that we have as dads and as fathers. We need to understand that stewardship role. It's our responsibility not only to help our wives grow and become what God wants them to be spiritually in their lives. That's the influence that we should bring as a, as a, as a father, as a husband into our home for our wives to expand their giftedness and to find God's will for their life, but also to help our children reach their destiny and fulfill their calling upon their lives, their giftedness. And so the bottom line, it's our father's responsibility, a dad's responsibility in the home to lead our family towards God and to salvation and to righteous living. And this all requires godly wisdom, godly wisdom. In a society, in a world where, again, wisdom, so-called wisdom, is, is uh, at a finger's touch of what about this and what about that and, you know, how do you, what, how do, you do this with a, a family and marriage and kids and on and money and so on? I tell you, it's all in the Word of God. If you want to know anything about life, Wisdom for life, it comes from God's word. God's word. So, let's take a look at our text in Proverbs chapter number one. Starting with verse one. The Proverbs of Solomon, it starts off. And it gives us wisdom. When you want wisdom for life, wisdom for your family, your marriage, for yourself, for your children, the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom is, is, is gives us all we need. And so it says there, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, not crazy behavior, not, not wild behavior, but prudent, wise behavior, doing what is right, just and fair. Wisdom for giving prudence to those who are simple or who don't know, in other words, or who are, are searching or have not yet gained wisdom. Knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance 
for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Now listen, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, the writer of Proverbs says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. How many know that father's instructions uh, and mother's teachings uh, sometimes are like completely different ways? Mom teaches the kids differently than dad teaches the kids. And so here the book of wisdom, Proverbs, uh, gives us instruction as children to, and you instruction as, 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 as children, to listen not only to your father, but to your mother. Godly wisdom. Now, if the case happens to be, and, and I'll preface this because I'm not done reading the text yet, that maybe growing up your father just didn't, you know, went the wrong way, went astray, and you never knew your dad. Well, you got wisdom from your godly father. That, that's where that comes from. That's good. Maybe your mom wasn't uh, the mom that you, you know, wasn't the godly mom, etc., and so on, and she's not around. Again, you have a godly father who is able to give you complete and total wisdom. But in the natural, here on the earth, if you so happen to have a, a father and a mother who, according to the word of God, apply righteousness in their own lives, then listen to what they have to say for your life. Why? It says, because they are garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. So, the book of wisdom, the Proverbs this morning, is what we need to understand. God has given us and made available for us as fathers to search and to look into so we can dis dispense that wisdom so we can encourage our children. Give attention. Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 1. Give attention to my wisdom. This morning, fathers, dads, our responsibility is designed, God's designed it for us to bring righteous principles to our children. The word wisdom dominates the book of Proverbs. It talks about understanding. It talks about uh, instruction. So what should we do? What is a father's wisdom? What is a father's wisdom? Well, number one, teaching them the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of knowledge, isn't it? The fear of God, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That word fear has to do with reverence. Learn to respect God. Learn to reverence the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear God. Teach your children to fear and respect the Lord. Respect his word. We live in a world today that our children, it seems, are, are learning to be disrespectful 
to their parents, to the authority, to their father, rather than the opposite of respect. And the sad thing to say is that's coming not only from their friends, but it seems to be coming from those in even higher places of education where you don't have to listen to what your father or your mother has to say. You listen to what we are telling you in spite of what they say. And it's our responsibility, parent here today, if, if it's the case that you, a mom, are a single mom, then your responsibility then comes to teach them uh, the fear or the respect of uh, the Lord, reverencing God. I think uh, going back to when I was growing up, living here in Norwalk as a young uh, um, teenager, and even before teenager, 12 years old, my parents weren't going to church at that time, but they made sure I went. They would take me and drop me off in the front of the church. And I had to go to church. They understood the principle. Even though they were not practicing it in their life at that time, they understood the principle. And they took me, and I had to go every Sunday. They waited for me, picked me up from there, from the church. They called the, the Bible study person who was over the kids' ministry, did Richard go to church today? <laughs> they were checking up on me to make sure I went to church. Now, I know I wasn't saved, but I went to church. And the point that I'm getting to is that they understood that it was important for me to learn to respect the things of God to learn the fear of the Lord when it comes to the Scripture. And in the back of my mind, that never left me through, through my crazy days and wild days of not being saved under Nancy's influence in my life. Oh, sorry, babe. It never left. It was always there in the back of my mind. And when it came to the point in time when my wife got saved first and then she came and witnessed to me and, and, and started telling me about the Lord, I already knew about the Lord. I just wanted to forget about the Lord. But yet it was so important, I remember, that those things were instilled in my life by those men in that church and the churches that I went to as a young boy that were always there where the Scripture comes to pass and remember, if you train a child in the way they should go, they will not depart from that. And, and it came to pass. And it was applied in my life. Oh, why? Because of a father at one point in time who came to me and gave me godly wisdom when we got saved and said, listen, you don't have to listen to what he said. You have to make a choice for your family and what's right. Even though he wasn't right with the Lord, he knew. And so this morning, dads, whatever you go through, no matter how you feel, because I'm sure my dad didn't feel like he should have been the one counseling me on how to serve God because he wasn't serving God. I'm sure that the devil was lying to him and say, what business do you have telling your son about what choices to make about God when look at your life? And you see, this morning, Dad, Father, whatever you're going through, 
whatever struggles you may be having as a father, never stop imparting a godly influence to your children. You know what's right versus what's wrong, just like my dad did. And that's something that will never, never change. And so it's up to us to teach our children as parents, as godly fathers, the fear of the Lord. It's a matter of the heart. Then you teach your children how to guard their minds. Not only do you teach your children, dads, how to fear God, to respect the Lord, respect the house of God, respect the men and women of God in the church when they serve them in, in, in the, the kids' Sunday school programs. Teach them to respect their leaders when they come home and complain about their... Do you know what the teacher told me? You know what the teacher said? You know what Mrs. So-and-so did? You know what Mr. So-and-so did when they're trying to help them? Don't go, oh, yeah, well, don't worry about them. They're, they're, they're crazy anyway. What are you teaching the kids? You're teaching them disrespecting the things of God. You need to encourage your children to respect the people of God, the leaders, the men and women of God who are doing their best to serve your children. Maybe the usher parks your car in the wrong spot, gives you the wrong keys. Teach them to respect the men of God. Say, well, you know what? Mistakes happen. He's a man of God. He's just serving us. Don't say, yeah, you know, he's a crazy guy. He's like, you know, I don't know what's wrong with him anyways. You get the point. Teach them to respect. And then teach them how to guard their minds. In chapter 4, verse 23, in Proverbs, because in the Word of God, when we talk about the heart, it's a reference point to the, a child's thinking in verse 23 in chapter 4, it says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, the father says to his son, for from it flow the springs of life. Teaching our children at a young age to guard their thinking. So what that, that begs the question, what do we as parents, as fathers, allow our children to take into their minds? Because uh, it becomes... It becomes uh, permeated and begins to take hold in their heart, in the seat of their emotions, and begins to take control in their lives. Dad, father, you are the guardian of your children's mind, of their thinking processes, training them up in what is right versus what is wrong. Why? Because uh, the issues of life flow from what's going on in the heart. The, what they think about life, how they look at life, how they, what they think about God. It's our responsibility as dads to teach them those things. Jesus said in Matthew, it's what comes out of a man that defiles him. And uh, we need to make sure that what goes in is clean so that what comes out is not defiling but is righteous, is good. Yes, kids are going to struggle. I know that. Does anybody here have perfect children? 
teach me how you did it, please. Sorry, babe. How? It's impossible. And so, yes, they're going to have their problems. They're going to make their mistakes. But yet it's up to us as fathers, as parents, guardians, if that's the case, to make sure that in spite of those mistakes, we don't give up. We don't stop training them. That's that word that I used the other day. When you train someone, it's not something that's a one-time deal, but it's constantly training, teaching them over and over again and not giving up. They didn't get it the first time. You do it over and over again. And so we have that responsibility for the mindset that is, is created and, and that flows from our children. Today, you think about the assault on the human mind. I mean, in growing up, we had three channels, NBC, ABC, CBS. And then we had that little circle with the beep. That was it, black and white. Didn't have to worry about what was going into our minds. You know, you either watched Bozo the Clown or you saw, yeah, you know, those of you that grew up in that, those days, you, you know what you saw, right? That, that was it. Nothing else. So there wasn't a lot of junk coming into our thinking and into our minds as there is today with social media, with, with all the things that are out there today, the, the not even just social media, but just the media itself. And then the friends that, that, that maybe kids make in school and the stuff that goes into their minds. You know, I was having a really intelligent conversation with, with my granddaughter, who's six, uh, the other day. And sometimes she just, you know, just starts droning on. And it's just like at any time it, it starts, she starts talking. And, you know, the majority of our conversations that I, that I have with her, she, she talks about God. She talks about the Bible. She talks about how the devil's a loser and, and God is a winner. And, and you know, and, and these when we're having these different conversations about different things we're doing and, and, you know, kids, and they teach them. It's so cool in our, our preschool school here. They teach them to pray before they eat. You know, and so when we go out, and it's already engraved in her mind that, you know, her thinking, we need to pray. And so, because the kids are outside or they're all making noise, the kids pray really loud. I mean, loud. And so when we're in a restaurant and we go and we say, okay, baby, you pray. Jesus! Pray that I don't get a stomachache with this food. And, and, and bless uh, uh, my friends as they eat too. In, in Jesus' name, amen. And all the people are looking around like, where did that come from? <laughs> but see, what's happening is these things are being instilled in their life. And those are the things they carry on when they get older. Those things do not depart from them. No matter what happens, when they get to that age, that they start making choices for their own life, and maybe they decide they don't want to serve God at that point in time. You know what? 
you're not a failure. You did your job as a dad. You did your job as a parent. And so our responsibility and stewardship as fathers is to teach our children how to guard their minds. In chapter 3 and verse 1, the writer of Proverbs says, let your heart keep my commandments. And in chapter 4 and verse 4, let your heart hold fast to my words and keep my commandments and live. So what does that mean? What that means is you have to keep the right stuff going in so that the right stuff comes out. You keep the good stuff coming in, and the right stuff will come out. Good stuff coming in, the right stuff coming out. When you stop getting the, keeping the, getting the good stuff coming in, you're going to have the garbage coming out. And it's our responsibility as dads, parents, to teach them the positive things of God, the encouraging things of God, exposing them to those things that will fill their minds and their hearts uh, with good thinking, as Paul writes in Philippians. Those things which are good to think upon those things because there's enough bad things to think about in the world. And so when your child, and I know that most all kids nowadays, they have this or they have this or they have some form of these that they, they're with, you have to make sure you guard the content of it. Make sure that you don't just let them go, get busy and just let them get into whatever they, they, they want. So my granddaughter in our room, and I'm sure it's when in, in with, with uh, her mother, in our room she has her things she plays with, and it's right next to me. It's like I'm here and she's here. And I can do this. And once in a while, my daughter Lisa comes in and goes, what is she watching? <laughs> okay. You got to have all eyes on them. Have all eyes because there's junk that's going to want to come in. And you know what? And they may get mad at you. And they probably will get mad at you. But you know what? Tough. Yeah. Tough. Too bad. Teach your son to fear God. Guard your mind, for out of it flows the issues of life. How do I do that? I teach them in closing by my influence. I don't, I don't do like what in the old days they used to do. Don't do as I do, but do as I say. Anybody ever raised with that That. Famous quote, don't do what I do, just do what I say to do. But you know what? That doesn't work. Doesn't work because kids are watching. And they don't care what you say, they're going to do what you do. They're going to act like you act. They're going to want what you want. Teach them by our influence. I have this quote I used at a men's discipleship, this past discipleship. It is the law of influence that we become like those whom we habitually admire. 
We are mosaics or mixtures of other people. And that's exactly what happens to our children. When we allow them to admire the ungodly influences in the world, whether it's media, whether it's, it's the personalities, and they are just outright ungodly, and we allow them to admire them in their lifestyles, guess what? They're becoming mosaics of those folks you're allowing them to, to admire. So you think it's cute to let them admire and worship Lady Gaga? Guess what you're going to produce? You think it's cute to let them admire whoever male figure is out there that's a knucklehead? That's what they're going to produce in their lives. They'll become mosaics or mixtures of those people. It's so, so important that as fathers, that we make sure the influences uh, in our, that, that we're allowing into our children's life are godly. The word influence, it means inspiration. It means guidance. It means authority. It's defined. It means to affect or to alter the conduct, the thought, or character. That's what influence does. It alters a way someone thinks or looks at something, alters their makeup, their lifestyle, and the way they act. So we're to influence what? Their value systems. What they deem valuable versus what is unimportant those things that don't matter. Because today things are really mixed up. I mean, today things are really crazy. Things that people should have a priority over, it seems that aren't really important anymore, such as value systems, moral systems, character development, righteous attitudes. The Apostle Paul speaks about this to Timothy, about the impact that the influence in his life made. 2 Timothy 1, 5, and 6 speaks about his uh, genuine faith of his grandmother and his mother and how their faith impacted his life as a young man. Here's a good example where it seems there was no father figure in the home because it's not mentioned. But yet here is a grandmother's influence and a mother's influence. I think about my grandmother's influence. My grandmother and great-grandmother, actually. I'm thinking about that as they went to church. Now, that would have been, I was born in the late, 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 late. Like my granddaughter asks, so are you the 19s or the 20s, Papa? I said, yeah, I made the 19s, babe. I'm cool. So when my grandmother and my, my great-grandmother uh, were going to church, they were going to a Pentecostal church. Think about that. In those days, Hispanic people going to a Pentecostal church. And their influence 
that they had over not so much maybe their, their children, my, grand, my great-grandmother's children, which she did with my grandmother, her daughter. And my, my grandmother's children probably weren't really influenced by her faith. It's tragic, but it weren't. But how it went down another generation uh, into my life and how they're serving God and they're going to church and then influencing my mom to go to their church and into a Baptist church and then me. It's passed down from generation. That's how powerful influence is. Even if you don't think it's making a difference, even if you don't think it's important for you to come to church, eh, what difference does it if I don't go on this Sunday? What difference does it make if I don't go on Wednesday? It makes a world of difference. Because you know what's happening there? You want to know what's taking place? It's called influence. It's called influence. Whether you like it or not, whether you think it matters or not, there is an influence that takes place. And uh, Paul is telling Timothy, that's what happened to you. And I think about it as a father. I've influenced my children, my two daughters, my son, being influenced through our serving the Lord. What they do with that, that's up to them, how they serve God, if they want to serve God, but yet we did our job. I did my job responsibility as a father. Influence. The process of godly influence. Let your light so shine, as Jesus said, before others. Matthew chapter 5, 16. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So what is that talking about? It's talking about our lifestyle, Dad. Our lifestyle. We're not perfect. We get it. We understand it. I'd like the team to come up this morning. But yet, it's our lifestyle that is the power of, of, of influence. What they see us, how they see us live at home, not only at church, at home. When we're out and about, young kids, they, they, they see what you're doing. They hear you. Believe me, they hear you. You think they don't hear you through the walls? They hear you through the walls. They hear you in the kitchen. They hear you in the car. So what is that lifestyle that you're living as a dad? Not only here at church, but what kinds of influence do we allow to come into our homes? Galatians 6, 7, I'll close with this scripture. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit 
reap eternal life. And this is for us dads here today. And moms, if that's the case, you're the chief influencer in your home. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are the household of faith. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. Maybe you're here this morning and you're tired. You've been doing all you can for your children. You've been doing all you can to influence them and for the, for the best to serve God. And it's nothing's happening and you don't see anything changing. I'm here to tell you today, in due season, you're going to reap a harvest if you don't throw the towel in. If you don't give up, God is always going to come through like he did for my parents in my life. God will always come through like he did for my great-grandmother and grandmother. They didn't give up. They served God through their whole life. That I, as I remember them, as a young, young, young boy. So as we bow our heads this morning,